Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Joining me in this podcast, like every, ever single podcast for the next month. Jeez, Dave McKenzie. The next month. How are you, Christophe? And <laughs> you know what? It's more than a month because... It's daunting when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think our friendship, it's, it's been pretty good so far, but we're going into unknown territory here. Uh, no, no, I like you. Don't worry about It'll it. It'll be good. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be good. Absolutely. So coming up in this podcast, we have someone pretty special. Uh, we have the manager from Calibri One and another Aussie as well. It's going to be pretty nice to hear from the man, the closest man from Calibri One to see how he thinks. It certainly is. And he's a straight shooter. And yeah, we've done well to get him. And, and he knows a good city as well. It's very good to get him. Absolutely, and yes, we'll we'll hear about how how Caleb is thinking, how Caleb is is feeling just on on the eve of of probably the biggest race of his career. But first of all, we have to talk about the route, this parcours, 2019, this Tour de France. It's a very different tour, I would say, this year. First of all, we're only going diagonally south. Yes. We're not going anywhere north except in Paris. And we're not going sorry to interject, we're not going west. No, we're not going all. west at Are all. We? The closest yeah. we go is the Pyrenees, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a very interesting tour and the makeup of this tour, it's very interesting because it's pretty much quite tough from day one. It is. It's not an easy slip-in. No, so if I'll, I'll, we're not going to dissect stage by stage, no. but I'll pick out just some key points. It starts with a 192 kilometre road stage. And it's a serious one. It's a serious one. So, and that's Brussels, Brussels, right? So that's exciting. Stage two is a team's time trial. So already we're going to see a shake-up. And then, amongst other things, there are five mountaintop finishes this year. Five. Five. That is big. That is... So it, it leans towards the climbers. Absolutely. And it leans towards the climbers also because the only other time trial or team's time trial is an individual time trial on stage 13. It's before the mountains, the serious mountains. And it's only 27 kilometers. Absolutely. They're both the same distance, though. The uh, the team time trial and those individual time trials are Correct. Uh, 27 kilometers. That's not long for, for a time trial, is it? No, no, it's not. And Do you think ASO has made everything for Barde to win this tour? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're... Uh, Look, I think what they've done is designed a really good course. And, and incidentally, that time trial, it's not, it's lumpy, but it's nothing super, super tough. I don't know. It's how likely to be it hot, though. It could be hot. Yeah, in down in Poe, it will be. Yeah. yeah. So, and look, in the last week, there's three mountaintop finishes. In, in, in fact, inside the last four days. So instead of having that individual time trial on the penultimate stage, mm-hmm. which they've done on a numerous occasions, that's gone. So from stage 13, the time trialing is done. Okay, so we'll talk about it in, in details and not detailing every stage. But if we look at the first week, normally, I would say normally, inverted comma, quite often in the Tour de France, the first week is the week for the sprinters. A lot of liaison, a lot of flat stages. Uh, this year, it's, it's not the case at all. No, no, it's not. I mean, you know, we talk about stage one being a, a long road stage. Then the team's time trial. Stage three is reasonably flat, but towards the end, it's 215 kilometres, stage three. 
and there's these four climbs, small ones, but climbs that will just shake the race up in the last sort of 20, 30 kilometres. So, and you know if there's a breakaway, that breakaway will struggle at the end. Yes. So, and, and it potentially eliminates the sprinters. Yep. But it brings someone like Michael Matthews into the mix. And then another really key stage, when you talk about that first week potentially being, generally being flat. I mean, it hasn't been for a few years now. They've realised that stage six, Planche de Beaufie, yeah, mountaintop finish. We're going to have a very strong idea of who's going well to win the tour. And what a climb it is. It's, a, it's not a long climb, Planche de Belfield, but it's quite hard. It's, a, it, 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 it's very steep. Yeah. And, and that, that stage is quite tough as well. <laughs> yes, and it's not. That's right. It's not. The rest of the stage is lumpy. It's sort of, uh, on memory, I, I, get, I always get a little bit mixed up geographically, but it's sort of on the edge of um, the Massive Central, mm-hmm. I think, is it? Planche de Belfield? Yeah, it's still up there. It's around that area. So, you know, we've got there's category one, three, two, one, three, two, and finishes on a category one. Like, how's that? And it's only what's even better. It's a 160. So very stage. punchy. Yeah, it's not a long so stage. So that's typically a stage where someone like Kalmajan can do something. Someone that can actually punch. Maybe uphill. I actually think this is going to be a real serious day for the GC guys. Okay. A breakaway could win the day, but. Jeez, it's going to have to be going because they're going to have to go out of the box. It's more a day for someone like Julian Alaphilippe, mm-hmm. potentially. might even be too hard for him, a little bit too early and too hard. Um, so it's got – anything can happen on that day. Okay. It's week, exciting. Week two, we conclude week two uh, with uh, the time trial, as you mentioned. Yep. Uh, but this is really a mix-up of a week as well, that week two. Yeah, it is. There's uh, – you know, after Planche de Belfield, the first mountaintop – there's a real mixed bag of stages, uh, and they head down to you know one of our favourites around Toulouse, and we have the rest day just before Toulouse around Albi. Um, but they're not super flat stages, no. you know. They're not. They've, you've just got some lumpy days. They're sort of transitional days, but they're exciting days. So because it's still early on, it's still relatively mm-hmm. midway in the race. So you've still got riders that are super fresh, super motivated, and you've got teams trying to keep their general classification riders, you know, in a good position, but they don't want to attack because it's not hard enough for them, but they can't afford to, can't afford to lose time. There could be crosswinds. So it's possibly the most exciting part of the race. Yep. Take out the mountain top finishes and all that. I think it's a really exciting uh, course. Okay, we, we touched uh, on a little bit uh, earlier on, but the, 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 temp, the time trial here, uh, 27Ks on the 19th of July, Po to Po. Will a decision be made on that, that, that time trial this year? Not really. Every, no, it's too early. Yeah, every other year we had tours that were decided on time trial. I'm talking about Marseille, for example. Because where it was the second last stage. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but this time they brought it a lot earlier on in the tour. When they are reaching Po, starting from Po that day, when they finish that, that time trial, they still have all the serious mountains to go through. And you know, you know what's important to note? So they come off, they come off to lose to Bagnères de Bigorre. Mm-hmm. Then they have, and incidentally, the that stage has got two Category 1s towards the end, and then they descend down into Bagnères de Bigorre. So sort of medium mountain stage, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. They then have the time trial, 27 kilometres. The very next day is mountaintop finish Col de Tourmalet, so huge mountain stage. Legendary. And the day yeah. after that is Interfois, yeah. another mountain stage. So we've got three crucial days, and then it's the second rest day. So 
That is going to be you know why potentially the you most know, crucial part of the tour. I know I bang about him. But, uh, this is why I think Bardet, for me, is one of the favorites of this tour. And I like your point. Because when he reaches the end of this time trial, he, he will know exactly what he has to make up. He will, he will be sitting on his back. He, will, he won't be, maybe not in the top 10, but he will know exactly if he's got to make up two minutes, four minutes, six minutes, and he will have to just go down and do the job if he really wants to win it. This is where we, you mentioned in a podcast previously that it's ultimo for Richie Porte. Yes. It's definitely ultimo for uh, Romain Bardet. He cannot be in a better condition for him to win the Tour de France. And yet. that's based on, but that's based on, sorry to throw a curly one, that's based on him being in his best climbing form. Yeah, but... So if he isn't... But he, if he the isn't... Term, the time trials is his Achilles heel, yeah. but... But if he isn't, he can't win the tour anyway. No, that's right. So exactly. Uh, if he is, let's assume, let's, uh, let's assume they all rock up to the tour being in their best health. And we yep. know the one that were not in their best health, i.e. Roglic, Dumoulin, they decided not to be yeah. here on yep. this tour. When you look at the deck of cards, this is a tour for Romain Bardet to win. If he doesn't win this tour, I'm pretty sure he will lose a lot of support in France because yeah. that's sort of lined up for him. It is. It, it is. It's no, you're right, and because he's. That's am, I, right. am I changing your mind? Am I might change yeah. your mind. No, no, I'm still on the. I'm still on the Pinot train. Okay, you're still, still on the, on the Pinot train, and I like a good Pinot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, but you're right. I mean, it's it's a week. It's a week of racing to go, and he's going to know. Okay, I've got the worst of the day. The, the stuff I'm bad at, it's behind me. There's no more of that to come, and now the stuff I'm good at and the stuff I like, the mountains are all ahead of me with the ability to fight until the last day because the last day is uh, it's it's in the mountains again and then the next stop is paris yeah, yeah so exactly. he will have up until the last minute of that tour de france you can effectively say the last three stages take out paris it's it's we know that's a procession it's a day for the sprinters so the last three days of the tour the mountain stages so then that that gives him one two a rest day as well do you know, know what? He actually everything. It's has, all mountains, effectively. Yeah. After the TT, yeah, it's, it's all, all mountains. mountains. Uh, but everything I said goes for Richie Porte as well, because this is where Richie could actually win the tour as well. Yeah, depending on the fact that he's got form, and then we're just going to assume he's got the form. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables. There's so many variables. You know what? I just want Richie. Come to get on, part. lift up your mood. I, no, Come I don't lift up your mood. <laughs> I mean, I think you're with me, to our listeners. Don't we just want Richie to get past stage nine? Absolutely. We just <laughs> want him to get past stage nine, not Wouldn't crash. If you know, he lines through up no, and it won't be any through any fault of his own, by the way, those last two. It's just absolutely. But jo- joke just, aside, joke aside, if he if he lines up on stage ten in the morning, is that already a victory? Uh, he won't say it like that. I think. Look, of, course, only, of course he won't. He's yeah, <laughs> but it's it's human nature. Whether he, whether he admits it or not publicly, it's human nature that he will be a little bit nervous just about getting through the first ten days. Yeah. Without a mishap, and even beyond that, do you think other riders will be joking about it? No, 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 no. I mean, you know, some riders probably do read a lot of the press. Yeah. It's the press that are uh, building up the hype, so they won't be teasing him. How you go, much stage nine? It's coming up. Ooh. Stage seven, we're getting closer. Yeah. Ooh, a few, few tricky roads on yeah. stage nine too. Oh no, that's awful, isn't it? <laughs> will you? Maybe if I was his, if, if I was his rival, maybe. I yeah, would. you just go. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but anyway, if we look at the shape of this Tour de France, I think on paper is shaping to be a super interesting course and you know for us to follow. Yeah, and you know what I, else I love about it? This is super selfish and boring. 
the transfers are really small. <laughs> we have got minimal transfers this, this is year. Good. And for our listeners, just you're probably not aware, but we drive between six and eight thousand kilometres over the three weeks. So when the Tour de France is about three. So it's, it's more than right. double. We're doing more than more, double, yeah. absolutely more than double. So imagine if you work and you have to commute. It's like commuting 200, 200 kilometres each way mm-hmm. every day. That's what you do. Not complaining? No, no, no not complaining. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> pointing it out. So and thank you, ASO. Think about how much washing you'll be able to do oh, on the real race day. Oh, I, can, <laughs> I, can see, I can see a laundromat podcast making a return. Ooh, this is, uh, actually, let us know. Yeah, let us know. Do you want us <laughs> to do a, a podcast in a laundromat again or not? Uh, uh, this could become a step up. I'm sure. I don't know. Laundromat listen, TV. I know the answer. They do. They do. A live, a live. Live. Yeah, yeah. Live wow. from the laundromat. Well, we'd love to see Tomo's undies going around in the <laughs> machine. <laughs> let us know. Hashtag Tomo's undies. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Where have you started? Where have oh, you started? Terrible, terrible. Okay, it's time to welcome in our podcast someone you know quite well and he's close to Caleb Human. Uh, hey, it is. I'm very excited. It's great. We've been able to grab him. Jason Backer, welcome. Hey, Jason, how are you? How's it going? I'm good, thank you. Pretty well. And uh, you've just arrived. How's the jet lag? The jet lag is good, Macca. Thanks very much. <laughs> I'm always good coming over. It's going home's the problem. It's about a week when I get home. Now, let's dive straight into the important stuff. How nervous are you? Because you, you manage a few riders, but I think the one that I want to talk to you most about is Caleb Ewan. It's his first Tour de France. He said probably should have done a couple by now. So this is it. That aside, he's now he's here and he's got a big opportunity. So you do you ride every bump, every wave with not just your other guys but Caleb as well? I'm not too bad. I'm not normally a nervous person, but I'll be pretty nervous on Saturday for Caleb for sure. But I feel like his preparation's A grade. I feel like he's done everything possible to tick every box. Um, so I don't think you can do any more than that. And then it's just in the lap of the gods once the race goes. I'll be nervous come the last... 10k if everything's all right and he's in getting in as, as it gets closer to the finish my heart rate goes up how is he in his head at a minute that we, we're just a few days away before the start of something he's been willing to do for a few years now yeah i'd say he's it'd be a mix of you know anticipation nervousness excitement confident i think um i think he's just looking forward to getting on the big stage and really showing what he can do so i think he's he's ready to go and as a manager, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you took over managing Cadell Evans, that was after he'd won the tour, correct? No. No, before. before. Oh, well, I'm wrong. So then, okay, I'll, 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 I'll rephrase my question. <laughs> I'll rephrase my question, but now you're managing a guy, a young guy. Cadell was towards the end of his career. You, st- you were fairly new to cycling when you took on Cadell. So now you've had some years' experience. What's changed for you in terms of managing and managing a young guy who's looking to now embark on a successful career? That's a very good question. It's sort of, yeah, it's getting 10 years now. Yeah. So uh, I think I'm just a, probably a lot more um, just confident and relaxed around the scene, I suppose, so to speak. Um, feel like I can offer something. I don't impart too much. I mean, I didn't ride like you or those guys, you know, so... But I'd probably offer something a bit different, a bit of a confidant outside the cycling bubble and, bubble and someone uh, probably a little bit of a different perspective, a bit of calmness I'd like to think. So when you say, do you get nervous, I try to not show that I'm nervous. I try to be calm and pretty composed about it and what will be will be. Um, but, I'm yeah, I don't – look, Caleb's a – he's not a guy for long, meaningless discussions. He likes you to get to the point and get on with it. So uh, that's how I'll play it with him this week in the lead-up to Saturday. What's the target for him? What, what would make a very successful first tour for him? 
Oh, I think a successful uh, tour would be a stage win. I think a very successful tour would be a win on Saturday <laughs> or multiple stage wins. Um, yeah. Because with it comes the yellow jersey yeah. on, on the first day, doesn't it? That's why I added in the word very, you know, under <laughs> successful there. So it's, it's, a, it's going to be a huge day on Saturday's riding for a Belgian team in Brussels. Um, you know, what a, what a fantastic experience and opportunity, and I hope he grasps it with both hands. I think he will, or both leagues, and um, give it a red-hot crack, yeah. Now, we should mention one of the other guys that, He's riding the Tour de France, who you manage as well, and we've already talked about him. He's he's exciting, and he'll play a, a completely different role. He'll play a, I guess we'll call it a super domestique role. Jack Haig, how exciting is he? You're not you're not going bad, are you? You're picking all the good ones off. You have learned a bit in this sport. Yeah, well, you like to think, Macca, <laughs> when uh, when you see talent and you see, I think there's things that transcend sports. So characteristics, um, attitudes, various things transcend sports, I reckon. So it's not too much difference with these guys to guys from cricket and football and other sports I've been involved with. So, um, yeah, look, I'll be probably more nervous for Jack at the back end of the tour than the start with Caleb. But, um, look, he's if ever there was a guy that was ready for a stage like this and a guy who's the consummate professional, ticks every box, meticulous, it's Jack. So I think Jack's, you know, he's going to be ready to go and I can't wait to see how his three weeks unfold. The interesting part, I guess, for you as a manager, and this is another question, I'm digging in a little bit here because Caleb obviously left Mitchell and Scott for Lotto Sudell. And I think it's fair to say at the end of that, there would have been some animosity, for sure, because he was down to do the Tour de France. He never got to do it in that final year. But now you manage also a guy, Jack Haig, who is still with Mitchell and Scott, and I'm presuming he's pretty happy there. So as a manager, do you have to try and, I guess, well, take the emotion out of it for you as well? Because I've known you, obviously, for a few years, and I imagine you wear your heart on your sleeve and you ride these bumps with all of the, the sports people that you manage. So, But how do you sort of try and take a step back and go, OK, that was purely business. We have to accept that. And now I have to look at Jack if he's if he's quite happy. I'm presuming he's at Mitchell and Scott and and manage that process again. Yeah, absolutely, Mac. It's it's hard to take the emotion. I was emotional last year, so I won't say I took the emotion out of it. You, you try to. I mean, you don't. You don't. The, the riders or any client don't, doesn't want you. To, they don't want you to be a cheerleader. You got to be smart and you got to actually step back a little bit. That time was that was probably you know wasn't one of the the, the greatest periods of my career in sport or sport management but in terms of Jack or Lucas Hamilton or other guys like that that you manage Rob Stannard Rob Power you actually have to take you have to operate everyone on a separate basis so anytime I go to talk to to Mitchell and Scott about Jack or Lucas whatever you know Caleb can't what happened there can't come into your head it's a separate set of circumstances and if you can't if you're not professional enough to do that then you shouldn't be in the game so it it was disappointing last year and I've said this on the record I've talked to you about it Macca and uh, I think we call you know, if we had our time again, I'd like to think it would be done differently, but you move forward, you don't look back. So I, I, I haven't looked back, I haven't thought about it for a long time now. Have you seen the industry change a lot within, you know, the wind cattle and where we are now? Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think about it all that much. I think everything naturally evolves, for sure. Australian cycling definitely has evolved. I mean, we're talking about Jack Haig here as a... GC when Cadell, Cadell was a bit of an anomaly, wasn't he? You know, when he came through. I know we've had other guys in the yellow jersey, but a guy who could really win. Uh, and I think Jack and some of these guys, you know, potentially Lucas in the future, are guys that we can be talking about again. You know, I guess we've got Richie, of course, but guys who could be at the pointy end of the tour in the years to come, um, which is, you know, I don't think that's unreasonable to think that's a possibility. So would you say the win from Cadell 
unlocked something in the eyes of the world for Australian cycling? I, I think uh, absolutely. I think it's uh, Cadell showed people, well, Australian riders, that you can do it. So um, I'm not sure whether what Richie's mindset would be or Jack, but those guys would look back and think, well, of course I can do it because Cadell's done it. I can do it. So uh, I think that's the right word, unlock. You, you unlock the possibilities, I think, yeah. And I guess this is it's a similar question to yours, Christoph. Before. Don't, don't ask it. Then. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, a bit more, um, you know. No, no, I won't. Yeah, I won't. I won't hang anything more on you for the day. All right, Frenchman. <laughs> no, but I guess you know I've been in the sport my whole life basically, and I like to think I keep moving with the times in the sport. For someone who's been in the sport ten years, and you've come from other sports, predominantly uh, cricket was a big one. Are we in a good place? Is cycling is it on the right track? Is it going in the right direction? In your opinion, you forget about what anyone else says or what I might say to you. What do you actually think? Fork in the road, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon it's at a junction at the moment, so I wouldn't say it's going in the right direction. I don't. I don't know definitively it's going in the wrong direction. I think it's absolutely at a fork in the road direction, though. A point in time, um, it's very different. Um, I think there's been some momentum lost since Cadell's win, um, for whatever reason. I'm not sure. I don't think the if you're talking about Australian, the Australian public specifically, I'd say probably not quite as captive captured at the moment. Um, because, and actually you've made me just remind myself, a conversation we had, it was quite a few years ago now, we were out riding on a, on a Cadell corporate ride, which was... Uh, I, know, I was talking to you, uh, riding, Mac. I wouldn't have much oxygen, I wouldn't have thought. We were going very slow, <laughs> and it was a flat road, so... Uh, <laughs> but I remember... Because I was interested in picking your brains and you were fairly new then to the sport and I love seeing, I guess I'll say, your business person coming into the business side of the sport. And I was quizzing you on what cycling needs and I said, do we need... I said, I have the opinion that we need to have a boycott. Like a riot, the riders need to be on the start line of Paris-Roubaix or somewhere and a boycott saying, we're not starting until we get these things in place. Because I've always felt as a former cyclist that we never had a leg to stand on. And even, it's getting better, but it can be a lot better. So do you remember that conversation? And you said, absolutely. You said, absolutely, there needs to be a revolution. And you said cricket went through something similar. Well, you had the Kerry Packer you know, World Series revolution in the 70s cricket. I think the things that the other sports that I've been involved with in the past was there's... And look, I'm not a militant person, but they have very united group like the athletes are united so you know the player union so to speak and i think that makes the sport more balanced and more even and it's good for everybody uh cycling is really tough with that because you know the nationalities involved with the federation it, it's you know it, it, it's very very tough so i'm i don't know whether a boycott or whatever it depends what situation we're talking about whether it's right or rights whether it's business um the, the the business model it's whether whatever it may be is different different actions or different um, options for whatever scenario that is but I think it's very much in a fork of the road I mean it always feels like a problem again you look at the look at this globally or you can look at it just from an Australian perspective so I'll focus on Australia but I do think it's in a fork in the road and a lot of that will hinge on Mitchell and Scott too and and where they go in the future and how Mitchell and Scott evolves as a team because whilst we've got lots of um, individual riders riding for Mitchell and Scott but also other teams um I think it's in an interesting place. It really is. So, you know, we're going back to the, the times when young riders used to go over and stay in an attic in a house in Italy and, that, and try and make their that way. That still happens, doesn't it? Well, it still, it still does happen, but I think it's so much so much better for young riders now going across. It's, again, it's possibilities. It's You can do it. Back then it was the toughest of the tough. You know, now I think it's a bit more open to a broader range. But I don't, 
yeah, we probably haven't got enough time to go through it now, but I think it's, I, I would describe it as a fork in the road time, yes. I guess the big question, where will you be Saturday? Where will you be? Will you be on the barriers 200 metres from the line, screaming, or will you be in the VIP, or will you be in the Lotto Sudal bus? What, what, what are you planning? Not that we come and plan to interview you straight away. But. <laughs> I won't be in the Lotto Sudal bus, that's for sure. I don't think that's my role to be too close to teams like that. So I, I always keep a safe distance. But I, da- I don't think I'll be in the VIP area either. I'm not a big VIP person, so I'll probably be hopefully not too far from the finish line somewhere. I don't know if I can even get close, but... Um, Somewhere near where I can see it, but probably not too far from a screen where I can actually see what's going on. Um, but, yeah, I'll be screaming and, out, as I said, I don't want to look like a cheerleader. I'll try and be cool and that, but it's going to be a pretty exciting day. Mm. I have good feelings. I have good feelings. Thank you, Jason, for, for, uh, for joining us in this podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, and, and thank you, thank you, Maka, for organizing uh, this nice chat with uh, Jason. Uh, it will be interesting to follow Caleb in the next few weeks or at least the first week of that Tour de France to see how all of what we've just been saying evolves. Yeah, and, and you know what? For all our listeners, I think everyone is excited about Caleb being at his first Tour de France. And I think if it didn't excite you... And the one that you, are not, they should be. They should be. But, and no doubt it would have amped, it's amped everyone now if you've listened to this. So it's going to be good. Absolutely. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central. Don't forget to tell your friends and don't forget to schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now. A quick shout out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it. Your cycling buddies probably use it. And the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Wattopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.